On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk with comic book artist and Brazil's favorite daughter, Adriana Melo, about her work on Plastic Man, Star Wars, and more. Plus, Lulu French and Scott Barton return to the show for a preview discussion of Marvel's Runaways Season 2. Now, straight from the warehouse at Crawford Chemical Works, come on, nothing good is going to happen there. This is 1.21 Gigawatts! Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 35 for December 2018. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and should be celebrated. Do yourself a favor, and me, do us both a favor, please. Subscribe right now and never miss an episode. I've got a cool thing to share with you before we dive in. Some of you may be familiar with the Marvel.com video series, Marvel Top 10. This is a fun series where the Marvel.com editorial staff comes up with a topic like Top 10 Vampires, Top 10 Avengers Teams, and then produce a video that counts down the subjects with fun copy and imagery from the comics. Well, guess who the new writer of the Marvel Top 10 series is? Someone knows that I've read a lot of comic books. It's me! My first two videos are up right now. Top 10 holiday stories and top 10 Spider-Verse characters. Timely. And there are plenty more videos coming soon. I'm so excited. Please check them out. I hope you get a chance to find them at marvel.com slash watch slash digital series slash Marvel Top 10. Enjoy. probably well aware, not only are we living in a new golden age of television, we're living in a golden age of genre television with an amazing array of sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and superhero shows with more announced every week. And even if you just choose a tiny slice of that genre TV casserole, it's still a challenge to keep up with new seasons dropped all the time. For example, I try to keep up with all the Marvel TV shows and I'm still woefully behind Punisher, Jessica Jones Season 2, Legion Season 2. You're on the list, guys. I promise. I'm coming. And that brings me to Marvel's Runaways on Hulu. Season 1 is roughly a year old, but because we as a TV viewing public have such a massive amount of quality programming to sift through, it just recently made the rotation in our house. I hadn't read the comics, so I didn't have a blazing desire to get to the show, really. But once I finally hit play, it became the programming focus for not just myself, but two of my fantastic family members who I enthusiastically welcome back to the show, my wife, Lulu French. Hey, hey. And our 14-year-old son, Scott Barton. What up? <laughs> oh, Lord. We just adopted Scott from the year 2006. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it is not always the case that all three of us land on a TV show and watch through it together. We all you're nodding enthusiastically. Yes, that's absolutely gun. true. Rarely yeah. does a show appeal to all of us. I mean, yeah. when you think back, like Stranger Things was like a show that we all yeah. loved and could watch together. Yeah, that is that is totally true. We all have insanely busy schedules, and sometimes uh, you and I, Lulu, are watching something that's a bit too TV mature for Scott. 
mm-hmm. or, or you're watching something that's a little uh, more violent than yeah. I would prefer. Sure, absolutely. Or I'm working on a project and I just can't yeah. sit down with you guys to watch Lost in Space or whatever it is. Or The Crown. Or the (laughs) genre hit, The Crown, (laughs) taking place in this reality, the British royal story. (laughs) Uh, But for Runaways, it became appointment television for all of us um, in in a big, big way. So now as we record this, we're right on the edge of season two and are beside ourselves with anticipation. We're sitting on the edge of our seats on the couch and not just because we have one microphone that we've got to share. Uh, And we're going to talk about why we care so much and what brought us back to the show night after night in such rapid succession. But before we do that, we should probably explain to the uninitiated what Marvel's Runaways is all about with a quick recap. Heads up, there will probably be spoilers. Yes, spoilers. In this recap and subsequent discussion. Whoa, it's like it's a mission for you all of a sudden. Look at the fire in his eyes. Gotta fill your spoiler quota. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Is that a rhetorical question? Did we mention he's 14? Yeah, that was previously established. And he loves the crown. Uh, Would anyone like to take the honors of a quick synopsis of Marvel's Runaways? I will take a stab at it. Okay, so there are uh, some teens who uh, live in a wealthy, affluent Los Angeles neighborhood. And uh, their parents belonged to an organization that they believed for many years raised money uh, to help kids to build a school. And they accidentally stumbled upon a ritual, an underground ritual that their parents were participating in, uh, during which a uh, runaway teen disappears as if sacrificed. And so it just kind of starts them on this mission of trying to figure out what the heck their parents are up to. Right, right. Which, um, yes, thank you, Lulu. Very well done, very well done. Thank you. You're welcome. What, what's interesting, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I sort of appreciate hearing the way you explain that because um, uh, probably, I don't know if this show would have ever gotten the time of day in our house if it didn't have the word Marvel in front of it. I probably wouldn't have watched it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad that we did. But to hear you explain it like their parents are seeming do-gooders, but then they do a thing. Because I came to this, and like I said, I didn't watch, I didn't, I never read the comic, rather. Um, but my understanding was always like, what happens when a bunch of teenagers find out that their parents are secret supervillains? Which is not really how this one plays out, like at least on TV. It's mm-hmm. we don't. They're not supervillains, really. They're just a bunch of. Mm-hmm. Like uh, captains of industry, right? In a way, and for some reason, and we're still figuring out their motivations for doing what they do. There's like something mysterious, you know, behind the curtain that right. is, or some puppet master that's pulling the strings, and and so they have a reason for doing these bad things. Right. We're trying to figure that out right. as audience, as an audience, and the kids are as well. Right. Which I think probably leads us to the obvious place to start talking about this, about what is the appeal of this show to so many different generations. So why, why can us, um, as incredibly um, youthful and attractive parents, what, um, <laughs> sit down on the couch with a teenager? So, so what is the appeal? Why does it work for us as parents? Why does it work for you, Scott, as a teenager? Um, 
why in the world did we get so hooked on this thing? Well, Brad, you have tried to introduce me to a number of <laughs> genre television programming, and I'll sit through an episode or two, and then I, I'm like, ugh, just, ugh, I cannot stand the writing. It's typically mm-hmm. the writing mm-hmm. um, that drives me away. Um, uh, even though this one is... Um, I don't know how to say it, you know, a little heightened reality, you know, sure. definitely you have to, you know, suspend, suspend your disbelief. Thank you. Bit, suspend yeah. your disbelief. Yeah. I still thought the writing was, was clever and witty and smart. And that is uh, what appealed to me. I thought it did, did that better than some of the other shows that we had seen together. Right. You, right. you named them, Brad, because I don't remember. <laughs> well, okay. We've watched a lot of shield and I was, I was fine with that, uh, but I shield. think the writing on Runaways is, in terms of the dialogue and the characters, is better than Shield. Sure, sure. And there was another one that I could not watch with you. Was it <laughs> The Gifted? No. The, the Gifted. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the mutant, this, the X-Men, but not the X-Men series over on Fox, yeah. Right, yeah. So it's like another Legion? Isn't that what Legion is? Um, well, we're getting off track a little bit, but no, Legion is another mutant-based show. But that's also not the X Men. That's also not the X Men. Correct. Um, what what to, what about Runaways uh, it appeals to you, Scott? Why why do you like this show so much? I just thought it was good. <laughs> I don't know. I thought she was talking in tongues. I'm or just something. here for the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. So you and I had just watched. Um, and maybe Lulu, you're either going to jump in on this and roll your eyes and say like, "Yeah, that one," or or not. <laughs> Scott and I had just watched uh, Cloak and Dagger. Yep. Oh another, yeah, that was another, another one that I just. Bleh. Yeah, another Marvel show over on Freeform. Yeah, I didn't think that the acting was that great, and again, on Runaways, much better, <laughs> significantly better. <laughs> Lulu's got opinions. <laughs> I do. I do, but it's a podcast. This is you, you do. Know. All right, you guys are burying the needle. <laughs> Settle in your bodies. I'm going to pull down the volume here. Um, uh, all right, so so Scott, like you and I had just watched Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Um, uh, we enjoyed it way more than Mom did for sure. Not mm-hmm. that Mom watched it all. She made a beeline away, and that's fine. That's fine. Every not every show is for everyone. Um, and but I will agree with her, especially now once we watch Runaways. Um, I enjoyed Cloak and Dagger, but. The kids of Runaways, I would much rather watch um, on a regular basis. Like, what what did you dig about Cloak and Dagger that is now different from Runaways? Because they're really different shows. Yeah, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> you just put the, the teen on the spot. Brad. It's just the theme song. Where you just in it for the theme song of Runaways to hear the theme song each week? Yeah. All right. Absolutely busted me there. <laughs> the theme song is the way to go. All right, so Lulu, you touched on this about the, uh, and, and I would agree with this. One of the things that appeals to me is that it's got some of the best um, writing, like plot-wise, it moves really nicely. But even more importantly, I think to us, is that it's got some of the best character-based writing. Yeah, that kind of thing really appeals to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that you and I are probably suckers for like, hey, as long as it's good character stuff or the characters are true to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the most interesting things. Like not really knowing what the show was going to be in the first two episodes or so, be like, well, it's going to be about, it's all going to be about the kids was my assumption going in. And it really isn't. 
um, it is almost just as much about the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a result, if this not more so, yeah, if not more so. And there were good jokes in there, which I greatly appreciate because I think that's difficult. And I don't think it's, you know, put into comic genre mm. uh, TV shows enough. Well, no, I mean, they, when it succeeds, it succeeds. And then there are other ones that are just like, this is dry and serious. We're so serious. And yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I don't like a show that takes itself too seriously. Um, so, yeah, I when like there were a few jokes and I remember thinking, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that was work. good. Yeah. Well, and, and conversely, I mean, I'll, I'll bet everyone attempts it in a way, especially now that like Marvel as its genre unto itself has sort of like said, even in Infinity War, it's pretty funny um, mm-hmm. that so now everyone's chasing the... Well, they've definitely nailed it in the movies. Sure, for sure, for yep. sure. And so when they attempt that on TV, whether it's the Marvel stuff or, you know, we haven't even really talked about like DC shows. Every once in a while you'll watch like... You'll sit with me like, so what's this Flash all about? What's Legends of Tomorrow? And you're like, nope. 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 Not, not going to do this. Um, so I'm, I'm going to call out specifically when we talk about some of the character-based stuff. Um, uh, I, uh, I think the kids are a blast. Of course, they're, you know, the breakfast club assortment right. of, of kids. Yeah. Uh, you I know. don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, each kid belongs to like a cliche clique, yeah. high school, social circle kind of thing. Right. Here's the jock guy. Here's the goth girl. Here's the beautiful the princess, girl. religious girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's um, the activist girl. Yeah, alternative yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is fine. That's great. And I think they do a great job. I mean, and that's sort of the point of the show also, right? Mm, right. Is to uh, to prove that these kids who were once friends can still come back together and be friends and find common ground, even though they are all very, very aware that they don't have a lot in common socially at this point and um, are sort of trained by society or whatever to be turning on each other or look down on each other whatever reasons but um, uh, I love the parents and there's no way we're, we're not going to talk about these characters without talking about the science parents science parents um, <laughs> affectionately known as science parents in our house the Yorks the Yorks families Dale and Stacy York um, who are so amazing and like weirdly real um, I, I, I mean it's like you said it's a super heightened show yeah they're raising a, like a velociraptor in their basement right. you know secretively <laughs> so that's insane but at the same time like these are also the ones that seem to be like we've overscheduled ourselves but we're gonna keep track of all of our kids <laughs> they're and, really endearing and funny yeah and yeah yeah they're they're hilarious which is so cool right out of the gate to be like, here's the bad guys, and God help me, I love those two bad guys. I want to see them win. And maybe they're not even really bad guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, all the parent characters are really interesting, <clears throat> yep. and they're all over the, the spectrum of likability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, a, it's an achievement to the show that there's no character really between the kids or the parents that we cut to a scene with them, and I'm like, Ugh, I don't really care about... Tina, you know, about the Minorus or anything like, no, I'm, I'm into them. Um, I'm into the tech parents. I'm into the, you know, science parents. I'm into the tech parents. 
Um, I would say that the tech parents, there's probably a few tech parents, yeah, right? I would say like Are Tina they like all tech parents? And, well, oh, Victor and Janet. Yeah, I mean, well, one one set of tech Sorry. parents is uh, basically the equivalent of like a super inventor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and his wife. Victor Stein. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you have to say his name, Victor Stein. Say it the Latvian way. It's it's hard hard not to say like, well, clearly you're going to be a bad guy then. Um, And then there's another set of tech parents that seem to have basically be the equivalent of we invented Google Mm -hmm. uh, or Apple and or Apple at the same time. Something like that. Tina Monoru. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, many shows on streaming services... um, uh, show. I'm talking about shows where they drop an entire season all at once, right? Um, sometimes are criticized for sagging a bit about two thirds of the way through their season. Preposterous. Preposterous, says Scott. Uh, certainly, the Marvel Netflix shows get accused of this often, whether that's a fair assessment or not. Do you guys feel that Runaways was able to sustain itself through its ten episodes of season one? Did it ever feel like okay, okay, okay? No, it had a no. good flow. Yeah. 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 Yep. Sure. Yep. I kind of felt, I'll admit, a little bit near the very, very uh, end. Okay. Go I don't think I don't think it's sagged. I think it, <laughs> I think that okay. they just sort of hit their hit the moment where you're like, this is gonna be the big blowout of that last season. But by virtue of the fact that they were was, setting was up it season two, when they were two. running around in the hills. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can I see that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, when when it the felt like episode nine was gonna be the last episode, and they were there, and oh my gosh, they're gonna to totally blow this thing up, and they're gonna have a big fight on this episode, and then they have like one more episode. And it was... Right, <laughs> they they, the they they needed needed an episode to establish the new world order, mm-hmm. and it turns out the new world order is not as exciting as like kids versus parents face off superpowers. Yeah. 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 Um, does this show or or any of the comic book shows or movies that we watch um, ever make you interested in checking out the source material, like the comics they're based on? I know I I, I don't know if this is ever the case with you, Lulu. I'm sort of just curious if we ever watch this that you're like, we never really talk about it. Yeah, I didn't grow up reading comic books, mm-hmm. and so I still I read them on occasion, but they seem a bit foreign to me. Mm. Okay. Have you, Scott, have you? I feel yeah. really weird saying that on 1.21 gigawatts. I mean, like, your listeners are all, you know, comic book fans. and. Well, it's okay. I mean, everyone comes to it in their own way. Um, I mean, like, like I said, I admitted that I had never read Runaways and am sort of, I don't know if it's snobby or whatever to say, I probably wouldn't have watched this thing if it wasn't called Marvel's Runaways mm-hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a brand loyalist, you know, let's be honest. Maybe I just need to find the one that I connect to. I mean, I haven't read a Squirrel Girl yet, so maybe yeah. that would, no, I read one Squirrel Girl. I really liked it. Which but yeah, one? Oh, uh, you read the the Nancy and Doreen one where they were in that weekend that was like their entire lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was really good. You yeah. know, maybe I just need to find a series that I can connect to. Did you Did you ever read, like, did you watch, say, like, Handmaid's Tale? Have you watched, or have you read Handmaid's Tale? Oh, uh, yeah, I read it. Did you read it before the show? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a bad example for this, <laughs> for this case. Um, how about you, Scott? Did we ever, have you ever watched, I mean, obviously you're a comic book reader, but, um, 
I have certainly haven't read everything that like the movies are based on Marvel movies or DC movies or whatever are based on. Do you ever have we have there's has there been a case where you watched a show or something and be like, I only kind of know Cloak and Dagger and I want to read more Cloak and Dagger. Anything like that? Um, with Spider Verse today. Today I saw Into the Spider Verse and now I'm want to read those comics. Mm. Uh, Infinity War. I still haven't read Infinity War, but. Okay. I do want to read that. Okay. I feel like Scott had some exposure to Thor, and you ended up reading Thor, but I don't remember if that was Rick Riordan's books that did that, or if did it was I the movies. Thor? Yeah, you had a Thor phase. Really? A, co- a comic book Thor phase. Was it because we met, like, Simonson? Is that why? That could be. That could be. Um, sharp-eared listeners of this program will remember that way back around... Uh, episode nine. I don't remember. Um, yeah, we met uh, Scott and I met Louise Simonson, um, who she herself is not necessarily known so much for Thor, but of course her husband Walt Simonson is, who did a definitive run in the eighties, and uh, much of what he created is what the movies sort of jumped off from. Um, and uh, yeah, when you meet someone who made a pretty big splash on a series, or at least uh, your dad tells you that they made a yeah. pretty big splash on a series. That's what happens. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I know. They don't, oh, no, go ahead, Scott. I didn't mean to interrupt. And if you remember that, then you get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you got that in. Oh, man. I don't know if this is on your list, Brad, but we haven't talked about their cool powers, the kids' cool powers. I mean, <laughs> Let's do it. them throughout the season, and it's so fun mm-hmm. the way they unveil them. Uh, bit by bit, and yeah. you you were aware of some of these because you were somewhat aware of the comic well, book. Well, this, this is the, the funny thing, um, again, because I was barely, barely aware. I mean, I was aware of the comic, but I didn't really know. The, I'm, I'm embarrassed Just to say... Avengers Alliance. Yes, yes, Scott is right. I am embarrassed to say the way that he and I knew these characters was from... Uh, an online Facebook game. Was it only for Facebook? I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. I don't know. That's where we played it. Yeah. A game called Avengers Alliance where you would like pick, I mean, you could unlock more characters, of course, because that's how these games work, right? Mm-hmm. You unlock and like pick three three hero characters and then they would face off against three bad guy characters or robots or whatever. And there would be an, a like unlockable special missions every once in a while, usually to yeah. promote some new movie, right? And the uh, Thor sequel is coming out, so suddenly it's all dark elves all the time. Um, uh, and um, there there was a, um, a Runaways uh, moment in the game or something where suddenly, like, you would have to play missions as the Runaways and be like, I don't even know who these guys are. Who, what the heck? One of them has a dinosaur, I guess? I don't know. One of them can shoot stuff out of their hands? Okay. One of them is, like, a rainbow? <coughs> right, one of them is a rainbow. I'm sorry for the coughing. I'm getting over a cold. Right, one of them, one of them is a rainbow girl? Um, <laughs> and so, quite stupidly, that is what I wanted to see on the show eventually was... Um, you know, to me, when when Rainbow Girl finally does her thing, and we're talking about a character named uh, Carolina, Carolina Dean, Carolina. Um, who just sort of goes like all colors of the spectrum. Um, it's really pretty. It's very pretty. Like, like, I want to do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> where, who doesn't? Where's that body glitter? <laughs> How do I sign up for that? It's just like little waves of of color. I'm in bars. my forties. That's cool, right? Sure. <laughs> 
Um, this is almost maybe like a drug use situation all of a sudden. Like, how can I make that happen? Body glitter and peyote. Woo! Well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. Hey, oh, that's a Stan Lee tribute right here in the it middle sure of a segment. Is. I like that. Excelsior. It's a joke about Stan Lee and drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Said the 14-year-old. We're doing. His name is Scott. You're right. I just keep putting it into context because the age is funny. All right. So <laughs> the point is, the point is, Scott and I knew these characters from this uh, this just online game. So then, when we finally see uh, Carolina Dean go all like colorful, all rainbow, we call her Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright. When she hits Rainbow Bright phase, it was like, "Yep, that's what she looked like during the game. That's what I want to yeah. see. I approve." Ding. So. You're right, Lulu. We haven't really talked about their kids and the girl powers, and I really do, do sort of dig how they slowly yeah, unveil them. Slowly. Like I think we saw one kid's powers in the first episode. Yeah, Otherwise, we didn't even know why Molly was super yeah. strong until toward the end of the season. Yeah. They kind of put that in. It's a well-structured script. I mean, a well-structured yeah, season. I yeah. think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Which sort of makes me nervous about season two. I'm not going to lie. Like, did they sort of like we built this I mean, perfect it wasn't animal? Wasn't like amazing and perfect. No, 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 no. Of course. You know how I make fun of the the staging and the blocking sometimes. Like, oh, the parents are over here and the kids <clears throat> are over here and they're facing off and they just stay in that formation. As if they're in a comic <laughs> book. Yeah. Right. When your comic book is showing on TV shows, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Your comics are showing. When your comics are showing. <laughs> You know, we uh, based uh, perhaps on the fact that um, that Scott just dropped a, um, a a drug joke right away. I'm going to use that as a natural segue oh. into the fact that if he, of course, you Scott are a very mature 14 year old. He's on the verge of seeing more adult content, so we're constantly assessing whether it's appropriate to introduce him to the Alien movies or Walking Dead or any number of other R-rated content that. I'm assuming probably most of his friends have already seen. Yeah. Uh, but we're trying to raise a semi-well-adjusted kid here, uh, so we're holding back on The Shining. Um, Lulu, as yeah. my partner in child-raising and right. occasional nerdliness, let's talk <laughs> about the appropriateness of Runaways for not only our kid, but other kids of similar or maybe even younger age. Sure. So with Scott, I think the first thing we introduced him to was some, like mild, I don't even want to call it gore, but just ookiness, mild thriller. <laughs> when you think of Doctor Who, that was probably like, oh, sure. you know, the, the, the segue into that. And then yeah. it was like, okay, language. We just kind of loosened up on language. We live in the New York City area, so it's there's like, no escaping, yeah, right? You know, it's it's you're it's, gonna hear some obscenity when you least expect it, right? And then like, and then it was like innuendo, sexual references, like The Office, like pretty much watching The <laughs> Office, like mm -hmm. was a big introduction to that. And uh, okay, oh, and then violence, right? We <coughs> we you know. Like, even when he saw Captain America, I remember I was like, oh, I know it's like really violence light. But at the time, I wasn't crazy about it. And now I look at it like this is nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so he recently watched a little bit of The Walking Dead. I'm like, wow, that's probably the most violent thing he's seen so far. Would you agree, Scott? Do you, can you think um, of anything else more violent than that? But I mean, there the he Matrix. has... He has some peers who have seen that, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to say kind of what the, the mean 
you know, is for this type of viewing. And then I think the final thing is like sex, Mm -hmm. right? And then how much do we see of sex, you know? So we're just like, try not to show nudity or the sexual act. Runaways hints at sex. it It does. It hints, I think Cloak and Dagger did more so. I think it did. Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, it's probably it's probably about the same the same thing. And the tricky right. thing is that in both cases, with both shows, not entirely, but I would, I would, I'd say for the most part, it's just like, and here it is. Right. And, like, and, we, and then it's gone. We and then you cut away. We joined this act already in progress. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, you don't okay. really see a lot, you know, but you, you know it's what's just happening. a lot of suggested, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think it's a... I don't feel it's inappropriate for Scott. I think he knows what's going on. He has an awareness of what sex is, and that's not an all bad thing. Sure. But then you just get to a point where it's like, okay, can we watch this together as a family? Because at some point, (laughs) as he gets older, you know, like 16, it's like, if maybe we should watch these movies separately. <laughs> right, point. it's appropriate, but no one wants to be in the same room. With their mom and their like, dad. Oh, what? Yeah. weird. <laughs> you guys. Um, Scott, you've been... parenting podcast now. You're right, it is a little bit. So so you've been sort of quiet in all this. I mean, I think that, that the quick answer, of course, is that we do think, of course, it's appropriate because it's not like we're sitting here like, sorry, buddy, you got to sit out season two because we just don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um, Scott, when you watch this stuff, do you ever hit moments, whether it was in Runaways or Walking Dead or whatever, that you're like, oh, I kind of wish I hadn't just seen that? I mean, you just name-checked Matrix a second ago. Is, is well, Matrix a thing that you're like, eh? I didn't need to see that, and uh, there's nightmares or whatever. No, no, I'm fine with everything and anything. I just don't like The Matrix that much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Although I do believe it was a Marvel show that for many, many years you maintained was like, well, that was King Ookie-ness level, uh, and I did not need to see it. That was, go ahead, Scott, take it. Or in season one, right? No. Season two. Yeah. Of Shield. That's I I don't really remember anything about that show at all. But it's like this main that's the main villain of the season or something. And he's like meeting with a bunch of these business people and he's got them all under his thumb and one of them protests and he just like rips out this guy's rib and you don't see it coming and it's like super gory. And I was scarred for life right then. <laughs> the funny thing is that it's like, well, easy for me to say as a parent, not super gory because I know what that spectrum in, well, encounters, but for how sure. How old was I when I saw this? Uh, young time. enough that you shouldn't have watched a guy's rib Might get pulled Might have been out. two or three years ago. Maybe. I bet if I saw it now, I wouldn't say that. That may very well be the case. But those ribs were spicy. Mm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll see myself out. like a curve. It was. Marvel's Runaways Season 2 premieres on Hulu on December 21st. If all goes according to plan, by the time you hear this, we'll be a third of the way through the series. Um, So what are we looking forward to in Season 2? We've seen a trailer where the kids are on the run. There's a giant hole in the ground that the parents have been digging. Yeah. What do we want to see? What's going to happen? Jonah, who the hell is he? Jonah. That would be Julian McMahon, of course. Like, what is the deal? What is in the hole? Where where did he come from? Is he of the earth? Is he is he an alien? Is mm. he a demon? 
you know, what what is this hold he ha- he has on the parents, you know? Right. All we know so this character of course uh, is He's he's the clear bad guy, bad guy, right. and it appears that all the other parents have just been manipulated to it in various degrees um, by his machinations, whatever it is. Machinations. And, and he's got something going down, and it involves a gigantic hole in the middle of Los Angeles. And the parents want to kill him. And the parents do kind of want to kill him because he's at least half of the parents, right? Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah, they want to be free of whatever hold he has on them. Right. And the fact that he sort of openly threatened their children in in many cases. Mm-hmm. And yeah. killed. Oh, that's true. And oh, spoilers. Well, we already said spoilers. I know. Right? I know. We, we did. We did. Scott has a quota we of spoilers. Scott did establish this. That's true. Have we hit your quota of spoilers, Scott? No, we're like a quarter full. So I can't wait to dive back into this. I was joking earlier about just hearing that theme song, but gosh darn it, I would listen to that thing on a loop. Woo. And with a mighty woo, we're going to wrap things up, uh, probably because we're going to go uh, look on Hulu right now and see if season two is is lurking there. It's not yet, but it might be by the time you hear this. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Our parents are murderers. Our old lives, they don't exist anymore. We're going to figure out how to use our powers together as a team. We can fix the world that they broke. What the hell have you got? I've been a fan of Brazilian comic book artist Adriana Melo for years, and I didn't even realize it. Way back in the early 2000s, I devoured the Star Wars content created by Dark Horse Comics, the company that held the license to the property at that time. And Adriana was all over those books, creating art for Star Wars tales, and especially Star Wars Empire. Totally separate from those four color adventures from a galaxy far, far away, Adriana has worked on Birds of Prey and Catwoman for DC, Witchblade for Image, Doctor Who the Ninth Doctor for Titan Comics, and so, so much more. Just so you've got some context, this is an interview that took place at the Garden State Comic Fest back in July 2018. I visited Adriana at her table, which, as you'll hear, was a cornucopia of posters featuring all of your favorite sci-fi and fantasy properties brought to life via Adriana's remarkable artistic talent. Oh my gosh, I'm sort of in uh, nerd boy heaven, surrounded by so many of the properties that I love here, Star Wars, smack among them right in between us, uh, but I will not allow it to come between us because I'm here with the immensely talented Adriana Melo. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm that's great. That's great. That's great. Um, I know that you have come to join uh, this show from Brazil, right? Yeah, yeah, all the way from Brazil. Man, man. Yeah. Um, tell me about the differences in the comic book industries between between Brazil versus the U.S. The industry there. I mean, I know that you do a lot of your work, probably the majority of your work for for U.S. publishers yeah. or British publishers. Um, but is is there any difference that you've uh, seen over the years, or even are the fans different between? Um, not that much difference. I mean, I can tell you that in Brazil we have a ton of very, you know, hardcore fans and very passionate fans. The whole thing, you know, Marvel, DC, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, the only thing that I can 
can tell that there's a little bit of difference is um, in Brazil, Comic Con's still a new thing for us. And the biggest one we have there is CCXP, and it's just on its um, fifth year. So fans back in Brazil, they're beginning to get used to what you guys have here, whatever, sure. like artist alleys and booths and standings and like special launches at the cons. So yeah, I can tell you that right now the biggest difference is that we are learning how awesome and fun a Comic Con can be and also tiring <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. That that can be the case. Yeah. Um, would you say we, we before we were recording? Even we we were just talking about the fact yeah. that uh, that I have way way more of your work than I even realized that I did so until cool. I started researching. Would you say that your style has has evolved or changed over the years? Um, how 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 so? And this is actually sort of a setup because I realized when I was going through my piles of stuff <laughs> and uh, looked at the work that you did for Dark Horse about ten years ago that things were a little bit, I don't know, more, how do I want to put this, unfinished or sketchy or something, yeah, like intentionally yeah, yeah. so, which really worked for the yeah. stories, but now when I look at your work, it's dramatically different, <laughs> and it's beautiful, it, it was beautiful then and beautiful now, oh, but, but thank different. thank you very much, but yeah, you know, the thing with comic books and, okay, art in general is you cannot stop practicing, studying, and learning new things. Because styles, they change, you know, each year, and you do have to evolve too, otherwise you'll be stuck in the past. So pretty much what I can tell you is that Star Wars Empire days until now, I've been doing a ton of practicing still and um, learning new things, like the whole digital coloring, I've learned in like four you're, yeah, I, four or five years ago, it's when I begin to, you know, uh, study and practice a bit, even if I was already working as, you know, publishers here in America, I kept practicing, because that's the point. And something else, but to me it was really cool. The Star Wars Empire uh, series I did, it was mostly without inking at all. It was my sketchy, like you said, sketchy pages. Sure. It has that sketchy feel because it was scan and paint and all the lettering you did was, it, it, um, was done right um, over my my pencils. So that's why it has such a different feeling from what I'm doing right now. Right, right. Uh, that's really interesting, and I and I love what you say about like the evolution never stops. Practicing never stops if if you want to remain good, and, and I think it uh, keeps you humble, and and your work is staggeringly 
lovely. It's it, it, I, again, I really did like it back in the day. But uh, when I when I was looking at those issues and like, well, let me see what she's doing now. Also, like, how is this? Holy shamoly! This is gorgeous. Tell me about um, whether it's Star Wars or you just did a lot of Doctor Who as well. What are the challenges of, of drawing likenesses uh, of, of characters that are universally known and beloved? I mean, it's not like anyone's going to, you know, you look at what's supposed to be Han Solo or something and be like, that looks like Harrison or it doesn't look like Harrison. Um, what, tell, me, tell me about trying to tackle that. Do you feel the need that you've got to nail their likenesses or, oh, yeah, or can you, you wiggle over them a little bit? No, 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 you do, you do. That's the point. Likeness is, I mean, especially especially if you're a fan, like I am from yes. Star Wars and um, Doctor Who, it's two things. It can be super fun because you're like, yes, I'm drawing all those characters I love. But also, it, you know, it's a lot of work to get it right, right shape of clothes, the right look. It's not just, you know, um, download a ton of pictures and just do a copy. You need to to have this, like, final tuning to make it, um, to, to, to do it right. Um, to not look just simply as, okay, so this project is for get a copy over a, a picture. You need to know how to do this translation to comic books. So, in general, it's pretty tough. But, since I was a fan, it was also kind of fun in terms of all the research I need to do. So I was like, okay, oh, oh new script for Star Wars. Okay, so I need Han Solo um, laughing. I need Han Solo, okay, he's kind of mad in that scene. Okay, here, okay, he's he, he had this kind of smug Love. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh boy, here I go watching Empire Strikes right. Again. If I must, I suppose. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, if if there if that ever was a challenge, you've you've clearly mastered it. And I mean, what we're looking at right now certainly drives that home. Although I've got to tell you, one of my favorite pieces of yours that I've seen, and I I don't see it here right now, but you have a uh, Chris Eccleston Doctor Who image that he has this wonderfully goony expression on his face. So good. I saw that and, and yeah, I did. that dropped to me. It was beautiful. Oh. It's beautiful. And so unusual. It's such a great moment, but it captures so much of his character. And you know what? That's um, about Doctor Who. You know, the 10th Doctor is my favorite, David Tennant. But the Doctor that put me into the series and made me go, yeah, look, it was Eccleston. And when everyone thinks about Eccleston, you, you think about like this kind of angry, subtle, kind of series. But to me, what put me to the series was Eccleston, a Doctor Who from Eccleston could be serious and deep and music and in 10 seconds all his features change and he opened this big goofy smile and made you laugh yeah. him. Yeah. So a lot of joy, a lot of childlike joy in a way. Yeah. So when I had to do this piece and that was the cover for my first issue of Doctor Who for Titan Comics. So I thought, okay, I wanna portray the doctor that put me. That was Eccleston, smiley, happy, and 
And that's why I, I choose to go to, into this direction instead of going. So, so perfect, especially for the first issue. Like, if that doesn't drag you in like a warm blanket in a way, then, then I don't know. I don't know what would. Um, so what projects are coming up next for you? But as, as we wrap up, I want to know where, where I'm going to see you Okay, next. so something that I'm super, super excited is I'm working um, uh, I'm at DC Comics right now, and I'm working on a new series with Gail Simone. Yeah, and we're doing a character that a lot of people do think, just like me, that he's kind of, you know, um, underrated because he's so much fun that is plastic man oh nice Yay! yeah and she's doing of course the whole thing about um plastic man being goofy and funny but she also had a spin of mafia and mobsters <laughs> and there's a whole feel like the 40s and 50s going on um, the whole st story passes on what Gail created as this. He created, she created a, a whole city to the story. So I can tell you that in that, let's say, reality, you have the 40s, the 50s kind of fashion and looking together with computers and cell phones and things like that so Love there's it. there's a noir you know kind of feel going on and it's been so much fun. Oh, I love it. I love that aesthetic so much. And the second issue... But wait, there's more. Yeah. And there's more. Yeah. <laughs> the second issue is about to be released this Great. week. Congratulations. <laughs> That's so, so exciting. Where is the best place for people to keep up with you if they want to follow your work or order or get commissions or along those lines? Where can they find you online? On Instagram. Okay. It's basically what I've been posting pictures from my commissions here, sketches or even some... Know, work in progress and behind the scenes of the yeah. comic books, etc. So my Instagram is just like my name, Adriana Mel, but instead a O zero. Adriana Mel zero. It's where I'm been posting everything I've been doing so far. <laughs> Excellent. I love it so much. Well thank you so much for the time and congratulations on the on the Plastic Man and this amazing work. I don't want to leave. I just want to stare at everything. <laughs> Adriana's well-received run as the artist on Plastic Man, with writer Gail Simone, has just wrapped up with issue number six, available in finer comic book stores as we speak. And there's more to come in early 2019 with the debut of Female Furies, featuring Big Barda and other characters from DC's Fourth World. This time, Adriana will be teamed with writer Cecil Catalucci for some apocalyptic fun. That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guests Adriana Melo, Lulu French, and Scott Barton. Thanks also to Dave O'Hare, Sal Zerzolo, and the small army that makes up the Garden State Comic Fest for giving me the opportunity to talk with Adriana. And thanks to Eric Balomo for recording the conversation and being an all-around good dude. And thanks, of course, to you for inviting me into your ear canals to nerd out with you. It means more to me than you know, seriously. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like? And what deserves to be tossed over your shoulder like new socks on Christmas morning? You can tell me by leaving me a message in one of the show's many social media channels. They are the 1.21 Geekawatts Facebook page, 
where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Geekawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Geekawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds in one magnificent destination at the 1.21 Geekawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to www.121geekawatts.com and wallow in the nerdliness. I don't know if you're aware of this, but every episode of this podcast is available for free in the podcast section on iTunes. It's so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. We want to grow this show, and you can help. Whether you're a subscriber or not, I would be so grateful if you left the show a review, hopefully a good review, over on iTunes, which will help more people find the show, because that's how computer algorithms work, apparently. If you're not an iTunes user, you can also find us by searching for 1.21 gigawatts at soundcloud.com or on Player FM. You clearly found us on one of those platforms, so congratulations! Browse the episodes listed there and check out another one. I'll even make a recommendation for you. If you enjoyed this episode's interview with Adriana Melo, I encourage you to check out episode number three when I spoke with another great artist from a foreign land, Elena Casagrande. Elena also spent time as an artist on the Doctor Who comics, as well as other projects, and is just very cool in general. That's episode number three of 1.21 Gigawatts. Give it a listen as soon as you finish this one. And please share this episode, or another one that you enjoyed, on the social medias with a friend who's also into geek-skewing entertainment. Huge gratitude to the Viceroy of the Vocal Booth, composer and my co-producer David Sisko. You are and remain the best Cisco. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all of those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome rocking out with the 1.21 Kikawatts theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. One point twenty-one gigawatts. What every geek wants is what we got. From Doctor Who to Aqualad, you might meet Luke and Leia's dad. Pop culture that is super rad. Hosted by some guy named Brad. He'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks. One point twenty-one freaking gigawatts. Your eyes. I've had enough of this now. Oh. Who are you then? Who's that lot down there? I said, who are they? They're made of plastic, living plastic creatures. And they're being controlled by a relay device in the room, which will be a great big problem if I didn't have this. So, I'm going to go upstairs and blow it up. And I might well die in the process, but don't worry about me, no. You go on, go on, go on have your lovely beans on toast. Don't tell anyone about this, because if you do, you'll get them killed. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life! <laughs>